All right, church, I want to invite you to take those Bibles and open them up and turn them to Psalm chapter 100. Psalm 100 is where we will find ourselves this morning. As you're doing that, let's take care of a little family business here at the beginning. I'd rather do this now instead of at the end of the service. And so as you're finding your place in your Bibles, uh, a couple of things that we need to take care of this morning are in respect to our budget for next year and our nominees for various committees to start serving for next year. Uh, We presented both of these items back in our family meeting um, two and a half weeks ago. And so today we come before the church to give a vote of affirmation on these uh, areas. And so with that being said, if you're 16 years of age and older and you are a member of this congregation and you agree to support the proposed budget for next year, would you simply just raise your hand where you are? Thank you. Anybody opposed? Likewise, raise your hand. Amen. And then in uh, our new committees, uh, we had two individuals for the personnel, two for the finance, and we actually are adding four people uh, to the properties committee for next year. Those names have been presented as well. Information's been made available if you're 16 years of age and older and you're a member of this congregation and you vote to affirm uh, these individuals to release them to serve in that capacity, would you raise your hand? All right, thank you. Lower them. Any opposition to those names and you'd like to take their place on the committee, you may raise your hand. Interesting, there is no opposition. Isn't that wonderful? Watch it. Watch it. I woke up this morning feeling really refreshed. I'm hopeful that that is a sign of a change in my life with stamina and energy. So, get comfortable. We might be here a while today. Games not until 325 this afternoon anyway, so we're all good. Psalm chapter 100. This whole psalm speaks about our joyful response to life. Joyful response to life that seeks to praise God for all that He is, for all that He has done, and for all that He promises to do. In its form, Psalm 100 is a hymn of praise unto God. It's a hymn inviting people from everywhere to enter into worship with thanksgiving and praise. Let's read through this psalm in its completion as we begin. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Now, this psalm is constructed into two sections. You can take a line, and you can draw a line to separate verses 1 through 1 and 2, sorry, 1 and 3, Draw a line separating verses 4 and 5. There's two sections, verses 1 through 3, and then the second section is verse 4 and 5. 
within each of those sections, there is a call to praise and there is a cause for praise. And so we're going to look at those this morning. We'll begin with the call to praise in verses 1 and 2. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Psalm 100 begins with the summons to everyone and everywhere to shout joyfully. Now, depending on your translation, look at, look at your, your verse there, right? Yours will either say shout joyfully, it'll say shout with joy, maybe shout for joy. Some of your translation says uh, to make a joyful noise. Or to make a joyful shout. And I'm wondering how many of us would say what we just did the first 20 minutes of our time together. You would classify that as making a joyful noise unto the Lord. A few. A few. It says, shout joyfully. Like, can I get a, a, a hallelujah? That we should, we should have excitement energy, enthusiasm when we come together to worship. This is a call for all the people of all the lands to praise the Lord and Him alone. Notice in verse number 2, we're told to serve the Lord with gladness. A vital part of worship is presenting ourselves unto the Lord for service. In Romans chapter 12, we are instructed to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him. Here's a little secret for you. Now it's no longer a secret. The whole reason that we started the book of Romans was because I really wanted to do a message on Romans chapter 12. But before getting to Romans chapter 12, we have to have a proper understanding and the foundation that Romans offers. And so, one year into our journey, we're now just entering into Romans chapter 8. Who knows? Maybe by next Christmas, we'll be in Romans chapter 12. I don't know. But, but what we're told is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to Him. Which means genuine worship leads to a life of service. Our service to God is worship. We should serve the Lord not just because it's our duty, not just because we're supposed to. Rather, we should serve the Lord out of the overflow or the outpouring of gladness that is in our hearts because of who He is and what He's done and what He promises to do. Because of great love and the mercies of God, we should all seek to serve Him with gladness of heart. Not only that, we should come before Him with joyful singing. Here's the thing, as children of God, our bodies are a temple of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you, have, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so since our bodies are the temple of God's Holy Spirit, we should 
worship the Lord and glorify Him as we go throughout each and every day. It's not Worship isn't something that's just reserved for one hour out of the week as we come together. No, our worship is continual. Our life is lived in worship unto God. And so just as the psalmist here extends the call to worship, so too churches, millions of churches around the globe extend the call to come and to worship the Lord with them. Here's the thing. Sadly, many professing believers do not answer this call. Tragically, many professing believers simply disobey God's command to assemble together with other believers. Within 30 years of ministry, I have heard all kinds of excuses as to why we don't go to church or why church doesn't play the important role as it should in our lives. 30 years of hearing all kinds of excuses and it got me wondering, what would it look like? What would the church gathering look like if we sought to eliminate all the excuses? Go with me here. What if we took out all the folding chairs on that side and then on that side we could put in cots? Cots would be made available to everyone whose Sunday is really the only day they get to, to sleep in or to lay around and be lazy. So half of the place can be set up with cots for those individuals. Maybe in the back, and I'm going to get to stepping on some toes here, so just get ready. Uh, on the back, we can put uh, deer blinds all along the back side. For those that say, oh, the fellowship is just so sweet with God and those deer blinds. Maybe over here on this section, we can have a whole section uh, reserved with, uh, with masks and hand sanitizers and separated seating with plastic shields that surround us just for those who say, I don't go to church anymore because of COVID. Now, I'll go to work and I'll go shopping, but when it comes to church, that's just too much. I can't do that. So maybe we can have that area specially set aside over there. What else would that look like? Our, our, our greeters, as you're opening and entering into the building, maybe they can have uh, eye drops and strong coffee to hand you for those that have tired eyes and tired bodies for staying up too late. Still hats could be made available for those that proclaim that the building would collapse if you entered into church. The stage, we could totally, we got a big stage, right? We could do all kinds of stuff with this space. Imagine with me, we could take half of the stage, put in some live trees and some plants and some flowers and maybe a putting green up here Who for those that say they really connect with God in nature on Sundays. Doctors and nurses we can have in the fellowship hall for those who tend to always be sick or feeling under the weather on Sundays. Maybe over here. Uh, we could put uh, lilies and poinsettias for those that have never seen the church building without them. There's a scorecards could be handed out to everyone for those that say I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. Well, you can just start checking off tally marks for all the hypocrites that you find and make you know that there's no greater hypocrite than the child of God who refuses to go to church because of hypocrites. 
while knowingly living in disobedience to God's command to faithfully assemble together with his people. Many of us come to church, but we come to church solely out of obligation. We attend half-heartedly with, with this sense of duty or obligation. I, I go there because I want you to understand that our attitude about coming to church should be one of great anticipation and joy. This should be the non-negotiable in the life of a child of God. The faithfully assembling together with other brothers and sisters. Come on, church. We're talking about an hour of this time out of your week. You've got 168 hours. Can you give one hour to worship with other believers? And beyond that, if you come for Bible study, and you should be here for Bible study, if you come for Bible study and stay through worship, you're giving two and a half hours of your week to faithfully gather together to worship and to study the Word of God. Two and a half hours out of the week, that's nothing. That is barely 2% of your life in a week. And so many people don't have that, that joy, that anticipation, that excitement, that attitude that says, I get to go to church today, not I have to go to church today. And so going to church, serving the Lord, worshiping Him, ought to be one of the greatest joys in our lives. King David declared what our mindset should be. In Psalm 122, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So having seen the call to praise, now I want us to look at the cause for praise in verse number 3. Verse number 3. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. And so we should serve joyfully. We should praise him. We should serve him. We should worship the Lord because he is God. Because he is the creator. And those who belong to him are now his possession. That word know in verse number 3 comes from the Hebrew word yada. Yada means to, to know personally, to know uh, intimately, to, to have a personal experience with someone. So essentially, the psalmist is inviting all people from all places to come into a personal relationship with God. It is an invitation to see for ourselves that, that He is the one that keeps His promises. That He is the one and the only true and living God. There is only one God. And He is the Creator. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. God is our Creator. He made us. Psalm 139 tells us that He formed us in our mother's womb. Acts chapter 17 says that we live, we breathe, and we exist all because of Him. So, so we are not self-made individuals. No, we are made by God. 
Think about that. We are made, we are formed by the Creator God from the moment of conception. From the exact moment when the sperm penetrates the egg, there's life. That life is to be valued and protected. Whether or not you hear a heartbeat or not, it's life created by God. So the value of life is not determined by our size. The value of life is not determined by convenience. The value of life is not based upon what we can do or what we cannot do. No, the value of life is based upon the fact that we are created by God. We are formed by Him, created by Him, created in His image. Therefore, life should be desired, not despised. Life should be embraced and not erased. God is our Creator. Not only that, He is our Shepherd. It says that we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. See, the Lord is the Shepherd who deeply loves and cares for His sheep. He loves us so much that He willingly sacrificed His one and only Son on our behalf. The Son laid down His life so that we might have life. In John chapter 10, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What? Am I still there? I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The sad reality is that the overwhelmingly majority of people in this world do not know that the Lord is God. Like sheep, they've gone astray and they are wandering far from Him. May you know that it is our responsibility as believers to invite others to come into a relationship with our Father. We are the ones, we know that the Lord is God. We know that He created us for a relationship with Him. We know that God gave us His Son. We know that if we will repent and believe in Jesus, then we'll become part of His sheep that that will be His children. So our Lord has given the responsibility to every single one of His children to take that message into the whole world, inviting everyone to come and to know the Father. And look at this second section here. Beginning in verse number 4. Verse number 4 is the call to praise. Verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His court with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. In the Mosaic Law, the foreigners were usually excluded from entering into the temple courts. But in Psalm chapter 100, the whole earth is invited to enter the gates of the Lord. And as they enter, they're to enter with thanksgiving and with praise. Because as our Creator and as our Shepherd, the Lord and the Lord alone is worthy of all praise. He made us. 
He loves us. He guides us. He comforts us. He cares for us. More than all of that, He is our Savior. When we have separated ourselves from Him because of our sin, He was the one that made a way back for us. He was the one that made the provision for our salvation. He was the one that redeemed us by His blood. So without question, God's power in creating us, His faithfulness in caring for us, His love for us that was demonstrated in and through His Son at Calvary, that has provided us every reason that we could possibly need to give praise, thanks, and glory unto the Father. And so we go from the call to praise in verse 4 to the cause for praise in verse 5. The cause is, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And His faithfulness to all generations. We should enter God's presence with thankful hearts because He is good. He is loving. And He is faithful. Every day, the Lord displays His goodness. He displays His goodness both to His children and He displays it to unrepentant sinners. Scripture tells us that He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on righteousness and unrighteousness. May, may you know that according to James chapter 1, verse number 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above. Every good thing in your life is the result of the grace of God. God is good. And His loving kindness is everlasting. It's eternal. It never ends. I want you to turn quickly, if you would, uh, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There you'll find a beautiful section on the everlasting love of our Father. God's love for us never fails. It is eternal. And while it is true that we may fail Him, it is also true that He never fails us. Never. Look at what Scripture says. Let's pick up in verse number 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for all of us, how will He not also with Him Freely give us all things. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Then Paul writes these words, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. The Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And then it says that His faithfulness is to all generations. The Lord is faithful and true to every generation. From generation unto generation, He never changes. Not only that, we can count on God and we can count on His Word because both God the Father and His Holy Word never changes. It is faithful and true. Psalm chapter 100 teaches us what our attitude is supposed to be. So not only should we come before the Lord with gladness and joy, but we should enter His presence with thanksgiving and praise. God is good to us every single day. His love never fails. His love never ends. God is the one who is faithful and true. So as we conclude our our time together, we're going to conclude our time worshiping through song, entering into His presence, shouting joyfully unto the Lord. Now if you want prayer, please know the staff and I will hang out after the church to talk with you, to pray with you, or to encourage you. But right now, what we're inviting you to do is to stand up. Join us as we shout joyfully unto Him. For you today, and there's just one thing that I want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given to me, for all the blessings that I cannot see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with an outstretched arm, I will bless your name and thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
done in my life. You took my darkness and gave me your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You took my sin and my shame. You took my sickness and healed all my pain. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with an outstretched arm, I will bless your name and I thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Father, as this week, as we really 
zero in on, on giving thanks. Help us to not only give thanks unto you, but to live a, a thankful life unto you as well. Father, I pray your blessings upon us as we go. I pray that each and every one of us seeks out the opportunities to, to share the gospel with a world that is in desperate need of you. We ask your protection upon us as we leave this place. If it be your will, Father, bring us back together with more friends and more family members to come and to to celebrate who you are, what you're doing, and what you promised to do. We love you, Father. Help us to worship you and to serve you with all that we have. And each and every time that we come together, Father, may we shout joyfully unto you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.